And now, ladies and gentlemen, the premiere of the brand new theme song for the Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club podcast. Ooh, that's quite a mouthful. Enjoy. My mom, historical, paranormal, a good rom-com with both like a grump, an alpha and a beard, but reading with my mom, well it gets kinda weird. I'm reading steamy scenes, getting bothered and hot, but if mom is asking, I read it for the plot. We look for swoony scenes, those moments that delight, communication's good and the banter's so right. So if you'd like to read along and join the group, here's a little secret, I'll let you into the loop. It's just a little show that we like to dub, Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club. Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hello, Ellen. It's going quite well. Quite well. Yeah, mom had a good week. I did have an excellent week. So today we are chatting about If I Never Met You by Vari McFarlane. Apparently I was saying her name wrong this whole time. Sorry about that. But first, Mom, what have you been reading and watching? Have you been doing much of that this week? Well, I did read, after our free-for-all, Yeah, I did read the Hot and Badgered book Oh yeah, you by she- Shelley Lawrenson. And I started the second one, but I had to stop in the middle to read the book. That- did you like it? Um, I did. It's quite bonkers. Yeah. And I found as I like jumped right into the second one, it's a hard one to read. It's a hard series to read back to back to back to back because it just kind of becomes crazy nonsense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I might take a break and then go back and finish it later. Um, and then I read this. But I have to say, I was on a cruise all week. Yes, she was. My husband and I went on an Alaskan cruise and it was delightful. Yeah. We had to be COVID tested before we could get on the boat and all of that. But then once we were on the boat, we didn't have to wear masks. And it was amazing and um, so fun. I've never been on a cruise before. And let me tell you, there are copious amounts of food on a cruise ship. Yeah. And I indulged in, I think, all of it. I think I ate all the food. All the food. (laughs) How much did you eat? All All the food. All all of it. (laughs) I don't think you understand. I I didn't eat a lot of food. I I ate ate all all the food. Um, but, uh, we had a great time and it was beautiful out there. We went whale watching and we saw probably 15 to 20 whales and it was amazing and it was gorgeous. I've never been to Alaska. I'd never been on a cruise and we had a fantastic time. Nice. Um, I, so while mom was cruising and doing that, I started a new job where I am, it's working as my student teaching, um, and I'm uh, like a teacher's assistant to a kindergarten class. And that is zapping a lot of my energy uh, to do mm, much of anything else other than dealing with... <laughs> Welcome to teaching, my love. 24, five-year-olds, you know, for eight hours. Because it's all day preschool. I mean, all day kindergarten. I need to make that clear. Um, but they are very cute. They are exhausting, but they're very, they're very sweet. And it's, and it's been fun. Um, but that being said, I now have a bit of a commute, so I have been listening to books, and I have 
three books that I listened to since last we met. Um, at, I think it was, yeah, it was Jen's uh, recommendation from the free-for-all, I listened to Funny Business by Kaylee Loring, and um, everything Jen said was correct. It's a very, like, fun production. It's, um, like, all the parts have their own actors, and um, there's a lot of, because, like, the plot is... Uh, he's a stand-up comic and she's kind of an aspiring stand-up comic and so she like heckles him one night and then eventually through means becomes his son's nanny and sparks fly <laughs> and she ends up it's got all the tropes yeah it does um, but it was a lot of fun and it's you know if you're looking for a good audiobook it's a very like well done audiobook and that got me kind of looking into other audiobooks that are, like, kind of more produced than others. Um, and I remembered we had talked to Chris Brinkley, who also did our intro um, oh, this yeah, week as well. Right. Um, we decided to throw in the rest of his intros because they're so delightful. We had a hard time choosing which was our favorite, so we're yeah. just going to throw them all out there. Yeah. Um, but he told us that he did a book called Sweet Talk by Cara Bastone, and we had bought it on our Audible account, and, um, so I listened to that, and that also is, like, I mean, literally, when I was listening to the end, I was driving home from work, and I was like, cute, 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 out loud <laughs> in my car. <laughs> uh, I want to listen. But it is very cute. It's, like, um, the plot of that one is that uh, she knows who he is. He kind of, like, makes a wrong number and, like, texts her. And so they start this, like, kind of um, friendship over the phone. She knows who he is, but he doesn't know who she is. And um, so she already has a crush on him, but she doesn't want him to know who she is for reasons. And, um, but they start this, like, flirtmance, and... Where does this book take place that Chris uh, gets to use his... New York. Oh. Oh, I remember him talking about yeah, that. Yeah, He's he was... like, why are you calling me? Yeah. <laughs> um, but he does a great job. The female narrator does a great job, and, like I said, it's a little bit more produced, and I really liked that one. And that is actually the second in a series. So after I listened to that one, I went back and listened to the first one, and while if you want to read both of them, you should do them in order, I liked the second one better. And I'm not saying it just because... Of Chris. Yeah, but I do think I would have enjoyed the first one better if I had listened to them in order. Because um, there were things that were spoiled in by listening to the second book first about the first book. And so I knew kind of some of the reveals Stuff of the first book. Um, but I will also say this is just a personal preference. I didn't love the, like, female narrator on that Call Me Maybe. Um, her voice is just kind of grating to me personally. But other people might listen to her and find her super charming and adorable. and Because she is all those things. But for me, that... There's certain narrators, and then was, oh, that was my other thing with Funny Business, too, was that um, she always ended her, like, the female narrator, she always ended her sentences with the same 
like inflection and it just started to like was she up talking she wasn't even up talk. i don't know it was it's kind of hard uh, you know when you listen to a book sometimes these are things that stand out to you and kind of maybe either enhance or sometimes or not enhance or not enhance <laughs> the book for you um but again these are all just like ellen's own things so you know i still recommend them i'm currently listening to heidi's guide to four letter words by tara civic and andy arndt and andy arndt also is a like audiobook narrator and she is also narrating the book and that one's a lot of fun it's like um she is kind of like this small midwest gal in minnesota and she uh she like stumbles upon this uh, job at this place where they read and narrate romance books, and she's just so shocked. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but then she like gets drunk one night and like s- ends up doing this podcast where she reads. Who would end up doing a podcast this, about romance but, novels? <laughs> but she like reads them, and you know it's it's pretty cute so far. I'm not that far in, but um, it's been fun. Uh, you haven't been watching anything. I haven't watching anything at all because, I mean, we bar- I mean, we had TV on there and we did watch, oh my gosh, we, we watched the dumbest movie, but your dad was all into it because it had his little girlfriend in it, um, Monica, no. Oh, uh, Morena Baccarin. That's her. Yeah. He loves Morena Baccarin. Yeah. All the way back to her, you know, Firefly. Firefly days. Days. But, um, her and Gerard Butler... And the Earth is being hit by meteors. Oh. It was the dumbest movie. It was. I wasn't even really watching it, and it was irritating. <laughs> <laughs> but he watched that anyway. It was dumb. I don't recommend it. Um, but other than that, what else did we watch? We watched some some other movie while we were on the ship. But um, didn't do a lot of movie watching really because you know we were shipping it up. Yeah. Um, I. S- I fell into a deep, dark TikTok hole. TikTok hole. Which is <laughs> sad. <laughs> Makes me but... not want to leave you home alone anymore. <laughs> um, I found a lot of TikToks that really amused me and have brought a lot of joy into my life this week. Uh, maybe I'll share something on the Facebook page just because I'm bored. <laughs> um, and then I also, just because when I'm kind of like feeling stressed and exhausted, I just like to watch shows that I've watched many times before. And so I started rewatching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is a show I can't recommend to a lot of people, but it is a very funny show. Uh, but it's, it's very funny. And we used very to quote it irreverent. all the time. Yeah. Because we used to watch, especially early on, we watched much yeah. of it. Yeah, we did. Um, okay. So that's what's been going on in our life. I mean, every time we have a break week, it feels like... It's been forever. It's been forever since we did this, <laughs> and that's the case yet again. Um, okay, so today we are chatting about If I Never Met You by Vari McFarlane. It is a standalone book that came out last spring, and here is the back cover description. When her partner of over a decade suddenly ends things, which it's not over a, over decade, a decade, it's 18 un- years. Under a decade. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, over, over a decade. Just oh. under two decades. Yeah, okay, there we go. 
Um, when her partner of over a decade suddenly ends things, Lori is left reeling, not only because they work at the same law firm and she has to see him every day, her once perfect life is in shambles and the thought of dating again in the age of Tinder is nothing short of horrifying. Oh my gosh, yes. When news of her ex's pregnant girlfriend hits the office grapevine, taking the humiliation lying down is not an option. Then a chance encounter in a broken down elevator with the office playboy opens up a new possibility. Jamie Carter doesn't believe in love, but he needs a respectable, steady girlfriend to impress their bosses. Lori wants a hot new man to give the rumor mill something else to talk about. It's the perfect proposition. A romance played out on social media with strategically staged photographs and a specific end date in mind. With the plan hatched, Lori and Jamie begin to flaunt their new couple status to the astonishment and jealousy of their friends and colleagues. But there's a fine line between pretending to be in love and actually falling for your charming, handsome, fake boyfriend. Well, first of all, they always do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this, this ain't our first radio. Um, Mom, what did you think of If I Never Met You? Ellen, I am going to give this one a love. Okay. I think I'm going to give it a really liked. Here's why. I think I personally would have preferred a healthier ratio of Jamie to Dan in Dan's favor. Um, I just, I wanted to know more about Jamie and I didn't feel like, I just wanted more. I can see that. Like the whole first half of the book was all almost kind of depressing. Yeah. I mean, it was just her going through this breakup and it was a hellacious breakup. I mean, yeah. it was terrible. We're and I'm glad about... I didn't read that back cover description because yeah. I kind of liked being like, oh my gosh, she's pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and then as it went on, I wanted to kill him. I, every little nuance that Thing she would reveal, yeah. uh, like even when she's like, oh, I'd have to ask him to zip up the dress, but he'd have to put down his game, you know, You're like, oh, controller. You dick, I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you so much. Yeah. But, um, you know, so, yeah, I hated him at the beginning, and then I hated him more as the story went on. And then yeah. for him to have the balls to come back. and, and But you knew it was going to happen. You, you knew it, it was. You knew it was going to happen. Um, but I did really, really like this one. Um, it's very... Very women's uh, fiction. Very women's fiction. Very, like, chiclet, which anytime I... Re- I know I've said this a million times, but anytime I read chiclet, it just, like, really makes me nostalgic. And especially, like, British chiclet. That was my bread and butter in high school. That's one thing about this book is it's very British. Yeah. To the point where most of the time I didn't know what they were You're talking like, about. What? I don't know who this person is they're referring to. Yeah. I, if I had had more time, if I wasn't trying to cram through it so quickly, I would have stopped and Googled some of these people that they were making references to because I didn't know who they were. Um, Okay, what did you think of Lori as our heroine? I liked Lori. She had to make a journey. Yes, she did. And I almost kind of feel like she still needs a little therapy. Yes. Because she had a very screwed up childhood. I do feel like, I mean, I think that, I think these kids are going to make it, but I do think, I read this one more as an HFN. Like, this one is kind of more happy for now in my I mean, I guess every romance is a happy for now because, you know, who knows what the heck happens to people. But, um, yeah, anyway, continue. Um, I'd like to see these two kids make it. I, I yeah. Actually, what I was hoping was happen, would happen is, like, she'd tell her job to, you know. Suck it and suck move it to London. And move to Lincoln and have them open their own law firm together oh, or something. Cute. Yeah, cute. And then he could be by his dad. Well, you know they're going to get, they're going to have a son because Hattie is psychic. 
And, yes. Um, how do you psychic? They're going to have the little boy in the snow jacket. In that, the coat. Yeah. Aw. 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 Cute. <laughs> um, okay. Lori. Uh, I loved Lori. I really related to her. Not like in a boss ass lawyer way, but in the fearing dating in your 30s way. She's oh, no kidding. I've been taught. I, cause, um, I have a friend that is a psychiatrist now and, um, I was just talking to him for a long time and we were talking about. It's a very close friend. Like, yes. it's not just like a friend. No, he's a very, very close friend of that mine. we've known forever. And, um, in fact, I think we've talked about him on, we've told stories about him on the show before. Um, but, and so we were, I was just talking to him for a long time about dating in my thirties and how it sucks. And because he's a very good, he's a very good listener. And so it's like. It he was, literally does it for a living. Yeah, it was very therapeutic. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so uh, I totally get it. And when he was breaking up with her, I'm like, you dick. Because even when my oh, ex gosh. broke up with me, I was like, I wasted a year and a half on you. Those are like baby, baby making years. years. <laughs> um, oh, it was, uh, it was really painful to go through that with her. Because it was just so... She did a really good job of writing that. She did a really good job of writing that. Because, like, just, you know, that they were both sitting there sobbing and um, that she would just kind of, like, have little breakdowns, you know, throughout the week or two following it is, like, that's all, you know. Yeah, and especially after 18 years. Yeah. Where they were essentially married. So it's essentially like being married for 18 years and then getting divorced. And it would be... And then finding out, oh... He knocked up some other girl right but away. In, I mean, in some ways it's like worse because he left, he kept like dangling her along yeah, with oh the gosh. marriage and the baby thing. And so it's like she doesn't even have, I mean, having kids and then splitting up like has its own complications. But it's like I said, she like, she gave away part of her life and like was putting some things on hold for him and then for him to just end it i'm like you absolute dickhead i hate you we're gonna talk about him in a second (laughs) um but also with Lori, i loved seeing the representation of her heritage and seeing how she navigated like being a mixed race lady in that office of sexist pigs oh my gosh and (laughs) it's just it's cringy the people she worked with I mean, so Vary McFarlane is a white lady from my understanding. Um, so I can see how some people might have, you know, qualms about her writing um, this mixed race experience. But um, I thought she did a good job and was sensitive. And also, I think um, as an American reading it, it's my understanding that the British black experience is very different from the American black experience. She did the whole thing about where, you know, people always say I look like one of five different people. And she says, I don't look like any of them. They just happen to be mixed race people also. And it's like, okay, I could could get that. That would be off-putting. Well, and the whole, like, where are you from? Yeah. And where she's like, but they asked it in like a, you sound northern way as opposed to like the... What's what's going on with you? Oh, what's, what's going on here? What's, what's with your face? What's that about? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I thought she did, and I I liked the inclusion of it because, um, especially with her being a mixed race woman in that field that she was in, 
she, you know, has, like she said, she has to put, she has to fight a lot harder. Oh my and gosh, and those and, people she worked with. And then to have her ex there, and I, it was just all so awful. Yeah. That's why I just wanted her to just Leave. like, ah, I'm out. Yeah, but it sounds like she's going to make partner at that law firm. And, well, you know, maybe she can make ugh. some changes. Yeah. yeah. And then she's going to be over Michael who was a complete... Oh, my gosh. He was, in some ways, like, worse than Dan. <laughs> I thought so, too, because he had no right. right. <laughs> Not well, that Dan, Dan didn't either, either but... but... Yeah. Gosh, we're, like, the same oh, person gosh. in this <laughs> Okay. Obviously, we're going to talk about Jamie, but first, even though we've already started ranting and raving about him, let's talk about Dan. Um, I hated him, uh, and he's the worst. Thoughts? He is. And <laughs> just the fact that... Because her whole rant at the end was like, I wish you just told me from the beginning. Because to leave her, like, not knowing yeah. what was wrong. So then when you do that, she completely thinks, well, what did I but do that to also, mess this up? That also felt, like, really authentic. That Oh, super authentic. In some guy's mind, he's like, it's more sensitive. Because in his mind, he was going to get away with it. Because at that time when he broke up with her, he did not know that Megan was pregnant. Right. And so he's like... I'm just, she's never going to need to know that I've kind of had this chick on the side. Like, I'll just, you know, and then I won't feel like a shitty person and come off as a shitty person. But then when it turns out that she's pregnant, it's like, oh, I have to to be the shitty person. (laughs) But she, she's a better person than me because I would have been like telling anybody who would listen, like, yeah, this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I loved her, her creative detective work of looking up his Spotify Spotify. list. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, 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 and then watching the back and forth of when they added songs, and she's just seething. Yeah. And she, I just, ugh. Which that also is, like, yeah, that would totally go down. See, exactly I'll never like listen that. to Start Me Up by Rolling Stones again without <laughs> thinking about this. Um, yeah. So, he is the worst. Um, and am I a terrible person in, like, delighting in the fact that he probably was not going to be happy in life? I, no. I think that that's... I mean, he made his bed. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and, um, I mean, like we said, you knew that that was probably going to happen in the book where he was going to come. I mean, everybody in the book even told her, like, he's going to come he's crawling He's going to regret it. Yeah. And he did. He did. And, um, but I did, I did like the moment where, towards the end, spoiler, um, you know, he's talking to her and he's like, I need you to know, like, hindsight it wasn't you. You're right. I was, you know, I did have this chick on the side. She gave me the attention that I thought was what I needed. Yeah. And it's not. And you are a much better person. And I miss you. And I'm an idiot. And all these things. And 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 yes, you are. Thank you. In his defense, he never came groveling back to her. He just wanted her to know that. And you know what? That that's a good thing. He, but he never came back saying, I want you back. You know, we'll, I'll work out what, because. Well, and the thing is, is that needed to happen because for us as the readers, it's like, Lori, why were you with this chump for 18 years? Right. And like, but, and so it was good to see like moments of him not being a complete and utter asshole because, and like he wasn't, he's just a stupid man. Yeah. He's not an asshole. He's just a stupid man. But I'm calling him an asshole because he did very asshole-ish things in this book. Even as she reflected, though, on stuff, I was just like, oh, gosh. Yeah. But I get when you're in a relationship and you love someone and, and you know, well, and then, you're comfortable. You're comfortable together yeah. for so long. And, you know, you put up with idiosyncrasies that 
you know, every married person does it yeah. that seem kind of like, oh, why would you put up with it? And it's like, you know what? I'm happier putting up with it than not putting up with it. You got to just weigh those things out. And well, and they've been together since they were like 18, 18 or 20 yes. or something. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, I've been with your dad since I was 19. So, yeah. but, um, and I'm not saying that I have to put up with all kinds. I mean, yeah, there are things that drive me absolutely bonkers, but you know, the love outweighs that. And so you, you yeah. move forward. But, um, uh, he, he was, I think in a lot of ways, watching her growth from being kind of simpering and broken at the beginning and watching her go through, not just her growth away from Dan, but her growth just as a person well, and self-respect and yeah. dealing with her dad and dealing with her mother and dealing with all these different things that had happened to her in her life. Um, well, and she has a lot of opportunities in the book to like reflect on that relationship and realize like, yeah, I was like, I was building him up, but he wasn't doing the same for me. And, you know, just her kind of having the opportunity to, um, kind of with hindsight, you know, be like, see the writing on the wall and, um, well, and so much of her, like, even when at the end, when her bosses call her in and say, you know, why didn't you put up, put in for partner you know yeah. we would love to have you put in for partner and it just had never even occurred to her kind of and so yeah. that so she was kind of part of the problem yeah well and that whole and um where jamie says to her like you know i can't wait for you to figure out i don't remember exactly what right. it says but like how awesome you are because it's gonna be then you're like, gonna be unstoppable yeah and, <laughs> and then when you know she kind of comes to that closure with dan when they're at the christmas party and he's like you just did it, didn't you? You just, you know, realized how awesome you are. Figured it out. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about Jamie. What did you think of Jamie as our hero? I really liked Jamie. And I liked I, I liked how he called her on, like, when she was always giving him a hard time about being a man whore. And, and he kind of called her on it. And I, I don't know. I, I really liked kind of the way they helped each other through yeah. different things. And not by pushing or, you know. But just being there for Yeah, or feeling like they needed fixed. But, um, yeah, just the way they dealt with one another. They really had a good camaraderie. It was well-written, their camaraderie. Yeah. Um, I felt like we needed to see more, like, see more of him being a womanizer. Because for me to have, like, really bought into that, because... Well, I don't think that he really was as much of a womanizer well, as everyone was making him out to be. And I think I think key here with him is what Hattie says, where she's like, I know he's got this, like, reputation, and yeah, he does, like, see a lot of women, but he doesn't, like, use them and abuse them kind of thing. He's always respectful. He just dates around a lot, you know? I almost wish that we'd kind of gotten a confession from him about... You know, oh, the reason I was on Tinder all the time is because I really was looking for a girlfriend. I mean, I really was looking for a relationship. And But I think he, I mean, like, I think we're supposed to buy into the fact that he wasn't. He was just hooking up. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just kind of wish we, we'd gotten a little more. I mean, I honestly thought there was just because, um, you know, she kept making comments about, like, he's not quite as, like, ribald as I thought he was going to be. Or he's not quite as raunchy. Like, I keep trying to, you know, do all these kind of... Um, you know, moments where... Right, where she was talk talk a little sassy. Yeah, and um, he, like, wasn't picking up what she was throwing down necessarily. So I kept thinking, honestly, that there might be, like, some big reveal that he's not quite as, like, he... It's all just kind of a facade and he doesn't, like, right. date around nearly as much as he does. But I think, um, 
I think that is, that's what the Hattie line is, is, you know, he does date around a lot, but it's not like he's a jerk about it, like, is often the case with these, like, womanizer stereotypes, you know. Um, but yeah, I really liked him. Like I said, I wish we, like, had gotten to know him a little bit better. Um, I also have a beef with, this is going back to that back cover description. I have beef when they, um kind of do the description in, like, acting like it's going to be dual POV, and then it's not. Like, if it's going to be single POV, that back cover description needs to be single POV. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, just because then it makes it seem like it's going to be Jamie's book, too, where this is Lori's book, and yeah. Jamie plays a big part in it, but it is Lori's book, you know, um, which I think is just kind of... And I also, my whole, and this is a problem that I have with all, um, the fake romance things Mm -hmm. is at some, they're always second guessing and questioning and, you know, how would I act and what would I do and, and how, and it's like, okay, well at some point you just become friends. So just do it like friends would do it. And you don't need to make it more complicated than that. Do you know what I mean? They're Mm -hmm. like, like when, um. When she was all worried about going to his house because his dad, you know, was sick and, you know, whatever. And she wanted to be there for him. And I get that. But she was all, she was, you know, so worried about all of it. And it's like, well, you've established a friendship. If nothing else, you've established a friendship. And mm-hmm. you just want to be there for your friend. So just yeah. go and be there for your friend. It's like they always make it more complicated than it has to be. And, um, you know. I think it's the element of, like. I know it's it, lying to his family and like bringing his family now into this kind of like deception, right? Kind of thing is more what, which I, I get that, but um, yeah, I mean, fake romances. And you had made a comment to me like early on in reading it that you didn't like how vindictive like she came off, but I was just like, whatever, he deserves <laughs> it. I don't care. Well, I just didn't feel it was coming from a healthy place. The whole setting up the fake romance yeah. but i did worry more about jamie's side which we're going to talk about the conflict and how everything shakes out but i did worry more from jamie's side the like professional ramifications right. that were going to but she did make you know that was the whole point of the book was making that arc from um you know being vindictive and yeah and spiteful and and while she still had feelings for him. Yeah. And then just kind of overcoming all of it and just saying, you know what? You go do you. Yeah. I'm fine. Okay. This book is called If I Never Met You. And there's a running theme throughout throughout about the people that come into our lives and the decisions we make and how they all lead us down certain paths. Um, what did you think of that element of the story? Well, I thought it was interesting and I thought it was well written the way all these relationships that she had that she kind of had to deal with in some way. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of helped her deal with the big one, which was the, the Dan breakup. Mm-hmm. And um, like as she was dealing with her father, it made her realize, man, is this, did I see Dan this way? Is this, you know, am I not seeing him for what he was? Because mm-hmm. that's the way I am with my father. I'm not seeing the faults and I'm not seeing him. Or I'm like letting them slide. Right. And, and I'm letting him kind of take advantage of me. And is that the way I was with you? So it's like overcoming these other relationship problems. And even with her mother, when he's, you know, when Jamie's like, you really should tell her, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that there were things, not that she was lying to Dan, but I think that things that 
you know, she was kind of holding from him because she didn't want to upset him or, you know, rock yeah. the boat yeah, kind of thing. And um, so all these little things in these different relationships that she was overcoming kind of helped her deal with the big relationship, which was her Dan relationship. Well, and I, over Dan. I love that moment that she has with um, Emily towards the end where she kind of like she has this revelation where she's like, oh, that fateful meeting where I've always been like, oh, it was kismet that Dan and I met on that night. She's like, it wasn't kismet between me and Dan. It was kismet between you like, and me. You're the that, love of my life. Yeah. It's like it's like in love, actually, when, uh, what's his name? Bill yeah, Nye, he says to the his manager, yeah. you're the effing love of my life. <laughs> yeah. And um, I just really, I thought that was really sweet. Um, and this is something that, like, we talk about a lot because I was actually just telling this story earlier today. Um, but, and this is, I know something we've talked about on the show before, but like, and this is going to be a little bit long winded, so stick with me and mom (laughs) will know where I'm going with this. But like when I was a kid, I, we moved here and I met this girl across the street and we became like best friends and we were friends all throughout elementary school, middle school, all that stuff. And then she moved away and went to high school at a different high school. And, um, she would always call me and say, there's this girl. She goes to the same church as you, and I think you guys would be best friends. And I was just like, okay, because she was just assuming... You live in a different town, and there's no way I'm going to meet this friend well, of yours. But... and she would just assume that we were, uh, we would be best friends because we're the same religion, and I was, and I was like, okay, because that's a thing that a lot of people do. Um, and then years later, I'm in college, and I'm going on a study abroad, and I meet this girl who's also going on a study abroad, and she's from this nearby town, and I was... Um, and I was like, I, we finally got talking and put two and to get two together. And it's this girl that my friend was always trying to quote unquote, set me up with, to be friends with. Um, and then fast forward some more, her and I go on this study abroad. We become really good friends. We live together through college and then, um, we decide it would be fun for us to, <laughs> to set up our siblings and then our siblings meet. They fall in love, they get married, and... I have grandchildren now. And mom has grandchildren. <laughs> and anytime mom likes to complain about paying for my trip to Europe, I'm like, but you have grandchildren because of that trip to Europe. And so it's just like, when I think about... How all those dominoes had to be in place to <laughs> yeah. fall. And how crazy it is that, you know, this girl that I was friends with when we were little girls, and, you know, I'm still, like, friends with her, but, um, and just like that series of events and it's just like so weird but and there's a lot of things like that like this job I just got is I got through a girl that I went to elementary school with and a different girl and um it's it's just kind of crazy like how all these things and um I've I'd already been thinking a lot about that lately and so then this book you know kind of drove it home for me and I I liked that message and that there's, I should have written it down, but there's something that her mom says about like the roadmap and I think I highlighted it, but, and I should have written it down, but, um, yeah. So I really liked that element of the book and just, um, how you look through your life. It's almost like a reverse, um, it's a wonderful life, you know, where, well, and I think if I'd never been born, but then if you look at it as, well, what if I'd never run into the people that I've run into in my life and how would life be different? Well, and I think especially in moments like that where 
Because I have done this a lot too, where it's like, I really felt like I needed to move to a certain place or take a certain job or whatever. And then, you know, it's that it fizzles out or it doesn't, you know, now I'm getting a teaching credential. So it's like, why did I do all these other jobs? And, you know, I think, but I can look at the people that I met and the places where I've lived and, um, and, you know, I don't even think I know all of the reasons well, that those Well, and just the life happen. experience that you wind up with that makes you more marketable as an employee or that makes you more... Yeah. But I, and I think for her, um, it was something that she, she need in order to, like, have closure with an 18-year relationship ending where, like we were saying, she wasted a lot of yeah. her, you know... Baby-making years. Yeah, but not even that, but just a lot, like, a lot of her life. It wasn't a waste. It was... Because if she hadn't had been through that, she wouldn't have met Jamie. And right. she wouldn't have, you know, she met Emily on that same night. And so it's like, you have to take a look at these things that seem like mistakes or a waste or whatever. And find, like, what you got out of it in order to have any sort of, like, healthy outlook on, yeah, you know. Or just making yourself depressed Not, about things that you yeah. don't think worked out. And also, you know, especially at my point in life where, you know, I'm older than you. Yeah. And I think of things, I think of struggles that I've had in my life and, and difficult things that I've gone through. And then you look back and you think, you know what, looking back, you know, 20, 30 years later, it makes a big difference as to, I mean, I once, we had a friend that used to always ask us these real intense questions and, and he would, you know, ask, well, what would you do diff- different in your life? What do you wish you had done differently? And I, and I think back over my life and I was like, I can't imagine doing even the stupid things I've done or the difficult things I've done. I think I'd still want to do it because all of it added up to where I am now. And I'm really happy where I am now. And so I don't think I would want to change anything. Yeah. Anyway, that's our existential Existential discussion of this book. Um, Let's talk about sex. No. (laughs) Not yet. Jeez, have you ever been on this show before? Um, so these two both have some family drama. What did you think of their respective familial relations? Well, he had obvious, like his parents were super sweet. Uh, he, his dad, what found out he had cancer and that is very sad, but you know, they still are very close. He had a brother who passed away when he was young and it sounds like he saw it happen, which sounds terrible. She has a father who is a douchebag. And um, her mother, she has kind of like a strained relationship in the beginning, but then they sort of work it out. Could you say it higher so that we could (laughs) maybe be a little more annoyed by that? um, Yeah, no, I think think her relationship with her mother was okay, but needed... Tweaking. Yeah. Tweaking. <laughs> Tweaking. Tweaking. T-W-E-A-K-I-N-G. Tweaking. Um, but, you know, I think that worked out okay. I think cutting it off with her dad was a good idea. Yeah. And um, and I really like that moment where he, like, shows up knowing that she's probably going to need, like, a friend. Yeah. At that freaking lunch with her dad. And he wasn't sure how it was, you know, even if her dad had shown up, how that was going to go. So yeah. he wanted to be nearby. Yeah, it was also cute. Um, anyway, um, uh, what, what, what were we talking about? 
her the parents and yeah. her mom. Oh, the family. Um, so he had a good relationship with his family, even though they'd been through, you know, some tragedy. Mm-hmm. And and her helping him through that, I thought, was really awesome. And, and her just saying, you can't blame yourself for that. I mean, you... And your dad would be, like, brokenhearted if he knew that you had been feeling this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, um, yeah, I really liked that moment where, you know, he's like, I think you need to talk to your mom about this. Like, yeah. And... Um, because she had had some like trauma that she had basically like repressed for repressed a very long and, time and hadn't ever said anything to her mom about it. Yeah. And, um, I really liked that moment and I liked how her mom handled it and that it kind of helped illuminate some things for her. Um, I also really like, well, I liked the moment. Yeah. I was also happy that she kicked her dad to the curb because I think yeah. that needed and to I, happen. And I understood. I mean, it all made sense to me. It made me, it made sense to me why she didn't want to tell her mother when she was eight because she was yeah. afraid that her mother yeah. wouldn't ever let her see her dad again, which I would get yeah. as an adult. I think that she shouldn't have let her see yeah. her mom, yeah. her dad again, but I could get as a kid that you would not want that to happen. Yeah. And, um, or even it's like he said, even a 38 year old might've made the same decision right. as her. You know, but, um, but yeah, and I, I also just, um, I liked the comparison that she made between Jamie and Dan in that moment where she kind of kicked her dad to the curb where Dan was always just kind of like trying to smooth things over and kind of like, but he's your dad. Yeah. And like, kind of like deny her feelings, like kind of like gaslighting her in a way about like how she felt about her dad. And, um, but then Jamie is just like. Whatever you need, you do you, and I will be here to support you right. in, like, he's like, but it, I agree with what you do, what just happened, <laughs> you know? And um, so I just thought, yeah, it, it was it was good. I liked all of that stuff. Um, I think some of that stuff made the book feel heavy sometimes, which I could see not being everybody's cup of tea, but I thought it was all well handled. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the conflict. What did you think of this? The conflict at the very end. Mm-hmm. So, so the I'm talking like the blow up at the office, at the office, and then their fight outside the office. Yeah. Um, you know what? It didn't. I mean, it bothered me that it occurred because I never want bad things to happen to these people, but um, it didn't bother me as a written plot point in the story because I could see why she was because of what she'd just gone through I could yeah. see why she was having problem trust issues mm-hmm. let's call them and then I could see why he was put off by the trust issues but I knew that once they just kind of had some time to both cool down they were mm-hmm. gonna and I'm glad that Hattie called her and said let me just read you what he wrote me yeah and I thought that was sweet and I thought that you know and Hattie saying he didn't have to tell me this. This wasn't make-believe for him. Mm-hmm. And um, so hats off to Hattie. There yeah. You go. I, I did love Hattie, by the way. I loved Hattie and Emily. I, yeah. I was like kind of. Yes. Yeah. I liked a lot of the side characters in this book. Yeah. But um, um, except her old friends when she went to that. They were oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. They were terrible. <laughs> yeah. And, the one uh, in particular, but. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Like, even from reading the WhatsApp, and is WhatsApp a bigger thing in England than it is? Here? Well, it's a bigger thing, like, everywhere outside of the U.S. Like, okay. it seems like every country uses WhatsApp more I have than it. we it's do. It's just 
no one I know ever uses it. So you, I don't even have it. So, but I can't even remember why I got it. I, I got it when the kids went to Greenland or to Iceland. See, anyway. that's why people use it is because it's cross, cross country. And so okay. it's like, you can, te- it's like a text, but there's no fees. Okay. So a lot of people use it just as like a text. Okay. Anyway, continue. Anyway. Um, so yeah, especially if you live in a country where, you know, another country is very close by. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we don't have that a lot. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So on the WhatsApp, cause it seems like Claire was the worst one and she was really s- stirring it up. And then one, the other gal was kind of nasty too, but then the one gal almost kind of seemed like she was like, well, you know, let's, let's yeah. cut her some slack. But, um, Anyway, anyway yes, conflict. it was terrible. Conflict. We were talking about the conflict. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get distracted. Um, yeah, I, I understood both sides of that. I didn't, I think he could have been a little more understanding of her. And then. This is interesting. She pissed me off more in the conflict than he did. Here's why. I, it was very clear to me what he was doing when he denied that yeah, they were in a I relationship. And we had I been would agree with that. led to believe that she would be, like, smart enough to catch on as well. And so I was like, girl, you see what he's doing right now. He's trying to, like, save you your job. It's like, you... And she got all pissed off. Well, she's like, well, it should have been, you know, my... Dis-. It's like, he was trying to make it your decision to... Like, he was trying to ha- let you have the ability to either stay on at that company or leave if you wanted to. But, like, he wanted her to have that option. Um, I would agree with that because even when she was standing in the office and I was like, you have to be able to see what he's doing right now. Yeah. And I also felt like she should have trusted him more when he was telling her what he did about Eve, especially since like he had like been telling her the whole time, like, no, I did not sleep with her. No, I did not sleep with her. No, I did not sleep with her. And like, I was kind of disappointed in her that she... I think, but, I think you're being a little harsh because I think what she'd just been through with being cheated on after 18 years, I, I think know, but... I think that makes you kind of gun shy. Yeah. And, and you know, that is what the char- that's what is written on the page. So I will, I will take that. And, you know, he also reflects and is like, I should have recognized that you would be sensitive on that front. Right. Um, and I was disappointed that past Jamie had done all these kind of like nefarious plottings with the job promotion that now are getting them screwed over. So I wasn't angry that like he got his comeuppance on that front. And I actually liked that there were actual ramifications of him doing that. Right. Um, I also have to say that this is spoiler, but the proposal kind of caught me off guard at the end. That was a little, that was a little out of the blue. Um, I felt like, I don't know, because in some ways I wish that their, them, their journey to falling in love had been a little more pronounced throughout. And so then when it like culminates in them like getting engaged at the end, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I just, I didn't think that that had been earned. I thought. I would agree with that because I thought. This is happening after... Well, I would have been okay with the proposal if she had said something like, I think it would be a nice thing to do for your dad. Right. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that it was going to come out that way. And then he would have, like, fallen even more in love with her because she's thinking of his dad. And 
I would understand it under those circumstances, but I didn't feel like it had been earned that they're like so mad in love. Out of just coming out of like a really harsh kind of fight, fight that like they had two days after like pronouncing their love for each other, right? Right? I don't know. Um, Yeah, I thought the proposal was a little out of the blue. Uh, this is the part of the show where I usually say, let's talk about sex, baby. Uh, there's no real sex to be talked about. Well, I mean, here. they do have sex, but they it's do have very sex. closed door. Very closed door. Like, but it was kind of fun. And, uh, where she's like, shows up the next day and she's like, yeah, we had monkey sex for like two days. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I didn't miss it necessarily. It, it felt within keeping of the tone of the book. I would agree. Because I, um, I was almost thinking as I was reading, I was like, Wow, if they try to stick in a sex scene, you know, a very described sex scene, it would be weird in this. But I was glad that they at least talked about it because she had had kind of this uh, built-up thing in her head about the first guy that she's going to be with after Dan, and I'm glad it was a success for her. (laughs) Good on you, girl. Good on you. (laughs) Um, What was your swooniest moment? I'll let you go first, even though you're probably going to take mine. I don't know if I will. I have several. Um... I liked a lot of the scenes where he was there for her and and where she was there for him. I mean, I think that they did a lot. I, I really loved, and I, I knew it was coming, but I did love at the end. And I hate to use the end. as the, This is mine too, you bitch. Where he gives her the necklace. Oh, no, no, no. So there. I, I liked where he gave her the necklace, where he had bought, he remembered the necklace that she looked at and liked yeah. and bought that for. Um, I've, I'm just going to say the revelation at the end, like where he shows up and he's like, why did you kiss Angus? <laughs> that was good. Too. If you're gonna kiss anybody, it should be me. Yeah, that was good, and that was a <laughs> yeah. And um, I just loved that because you knew it was coming, and just that whole like when they're dancing and they're both just feeling it. Yeah, and, they were both um, feeling it. And yeah, so I just love like his freak out about Angus and showing up on her doorstep, you know, all wet from the rain. <laughs> And yes. also, kind of tied to that, but also um, separate, is that email from that he sent Hattie. And yeah. uh, so, like, his POV on that, that night. That and thing. thing. Yeah. Like that. So. I, I was wondering why, because e- let's face it, Angus, <laughs> even if, you know, it had nothing to do with Jamie. Even if she wasn't doing anything with Jamie, even if he wasn't even in the picture, mm-hmm. if some guy just leaned over and kissed you, wouldn't you say, "Dude, wait, what? What makes you think that's well, okay?" I think there's some alcohol involved, and there's some, you know, uh, feeling insecure feelings from. Okay, possibly. Yeah. But I liked how you kept saying a kilt. Yeah. <laughs> He's like that guy. Just like I don't know. Um, okay, let's hear from some of the listeners on what they thought about this book. Okay. Elizabeth says, I read this book early last year, so it's not super fresh in my mind, but I enjoyed this book. For me, it felt more like fiction and less of a romance, which, yes, I yes, would concur. I would agree. The first third of this book just made me sad and angry at the same time. Once the fake dating plot started, I began to enjoy the book a lot more. I really liked both characters, but this felt more of a story about friendship rather than about being romantic love, even though we get an HEA with the main couple. Also, I just want to add, Dan is an ass. <laughs> yes. Yes. Even though Lori forgave him and pushed it past it in the end, I think he was being such a dirtbag for what he did. But Jamie, on the other hand, was a total sweetheart. 
This was a like, but not a love. Um, and I think she is getting at what I also felt is this felt more, she says, this felt more about a story about friendship rather than about romantic love. And it did really feel like that other than... I think that's why I had my feelings about, you know, just do it as a friend. You don't have to even think about it as... Well, and so, like, other than these moments where it's, like, she's getting zings in her things about, um, you know, touching him and things like that, and he shows signs of feeling the same way, that, and that's why I say, like, the proposal didn't feel earned. Like, I wanted to see more, like, build romantic buildup to that rather than just like oh they're like there for each other and that's nice you know yeah so cassie says i like this overall but definitely wished that far less page time had been spent on dan and far more time had been spent on jamie and i agree i think this functioned more as general fiction versus romance and i agree and i think yeah that is what this is um, Catherine says, I don't remember too much about this one. I honestly can't even remember how I felt about it. There was one detail where I thought, oh, that's unusual. I've never heard a black woman say that before, but everyone is different. When I found out the author was white, though, it did sit differently, even though a black woman easily, easily could have told the author that was her own experience. Again, everyone is different. Also, I'm not black or English, so clearly there will be experiences I've never ha heard of. Not trying to be that person who brings race into every book discussion. It's just the only thing I remember from the book besides the visual image I had of their lobby. Yeah, I, that's an interesting tidbit to remember. I'm sure your discussion will jog my memory. I love it when we discuss contemporaries set in countries other than the U.S. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I say, like, it's my understanding that the Black English experience is very different from the Black American experience. And so, and it's one that's obviously more foreign to me as both white and American. <laughs> um, so, uh, two strikes. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I said, from a white American perspective, I thought it was handled well. And I, you know, I liked that she at least made it a very like, um, crucial part of her character and things like that. So, um, Natalie says, I discovered Vari McFarlane a year ago, and now she's one of my favorite writers. I loved this book. I know people consider her work more fiction, her work more fiction than romance, but I just love her writing. Her male heroes are swoony to the max. The first half is a bit slow as Lori works through her feelings after Dan leaves her. In some respects, I wish there was less of this and more of her and Jamie's pact. But upon rereads and listening to the audiobook, the narrator is fantastic. I see how it's important to show her state of mind and the grief she's going through as part of setting up that second half with her and Jamie. I love the sharp, witty, feminist observations she makes about men and women, such as the ones about male entitlement, like when Michael thinking he was next in line for a single lorry. Screw Michael. Yeah. He's the freaking worst. Michael's a dick. Or the hilarious bit when Lori is sent all these creepy messages from attached men she knows after they find out she's single. I'm in a five-star hotel. What I'm meant to do with this enormous erection in front of me? <laughs> Lori blinked at this message for a full minute and replied, ask him politely to leave? <laughs> yeah, I highlighted that same line, I think. Um, also, Lori's realizations on just how unequal her relationship with Dan was when she's in a fake one with Jamie who treats her as his equal. It's just beautiful seeing Jamie listen to Lori and constantly championing her and her abilities like when he tells her quote I told you when you started to believe in yourself you'd be unstoppable end quote swoon with Jamie they're a team and he also stands with her 
when Michael and Dan start pulling crap at their workplaces because they're jealous of Jamie and using it against Lori. Yeah, that moment is really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, it really, like, highlighted the differences between Jamie and Dan. And... Well, talking about that fight that they had in the with Michael and Dan and Jamie and Lori, and then when Lori asks them to leave and she's talking to Dan, and she says, how dare you tell me? Yeah. How dare you? Oh, I just wanted to smack him. After what you did to me, now you're trying to tell me that what I'm you're doing You're trying is... to, like, horn in on my relationship yeah. when, like... Or tell me that what I'm doing is wrong or bad after yeah. what you did to me. Well, and it's like, you gave you, me... You'd want to grab him by the balls and just rip at him. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> um, and I like when she tells him straight up, like, you gave me no choice when you weren't happy and right. when you left me for somebody else and got somebody else pregnant five minutes after leaving me. Right. You know, so this is you now not having any say in who I see after you do that to me. Right. You dick. Um, <laughs> Natalie continues. <laughs> nice segue, Ellen. <laughs> I've never claimed to be good though. He sees it as a given that she makes her own decisions and constantly encourages her. Complete contrast after she spent 18 years unknowingly with a guy who doesn't actually do that. I also loved how it played out in the workplace as well. And with the end with her big boss asking her why she didn't think of being partner herself. That was one thing I did think odd about Jamie, though. I'd have thought he'd have suggested that to Lori as well. But I can put that down to him minding his own business as far as her career went. I had that same thought. However, he did say, you know, really the only competition I have is you. And she never stood up stood up to the plate with yeah. that. I mean, he was making it very clear, you know. Well, and maybe he, like, threw that out there as a, like, are you? Are you in there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he didn't do anything to hold her back where I think Dan was actually doing stuff to hold her back mm-hmm. and just promote himself. But, but she's the one that was her own worst enemy there, I think. I yeah, think. I agree with that. Um, Natalie continues. While I do understand women of color will slash may have issues with Lori being biracial and written by a white woman, I think it was handled as well as it could be. But of course, I'm sure there, there'd be other nuances missed that a woman of color would have woven in better. But I think the casual racism, even Jamie's parents also having to tell Jamie she looked like an ex of Mick Jagger, etc., uh, like yet another black woman was slipped in there as nicely as just part of the stuff Lori has to deal with. And the dialogue looks like the right amount of care was put into those scenes addressing her race. There's so much to gush over with this book. I have reread and re-listened to it so many times, but I also want to note that Vary McFarlane makes the strong friendships. Barat is the best too effing funny would have loved more of him just as important in her in her books. In fact, I'd argue sometimes they are the real romance. Lori's conversation with her best friend, Emily, towards the end about how she really did meet the love of her life at that uni pub that night. Only it wasn't Dan, it was her. It was a lovely moment. Yeah, I really, I really liked that too. Well, and I think, you know, going back to Claire and the evil women, I think her life switched from thinking that she had these friends to realizing they're not my friends, but these other people are my friends. Yeah. So, um, you know, especially when she went from a Dan-centric relationship to her own person, she realized well, these aren't friends, but these people are. Well, really and friends. that when she was at that, you know, thing where Phil gets his arm cut. Yeah. And um, she's kind of looking around the room and she's realizing, like, these people only cared about me because I was 
one of them and I was with Dan and my 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 value to these people is only as strong as the person I'm with and has nothing to do with me singularly as a person. But I did love when she said to those other women, she said, watch out for Claire. She doesn't like single women. Yeah. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, Bethany says, like others, I wish we got more Jamie. It felt a bit insta-love on his part, and I never felt like I truly knew who he was. Yeah, what do you think? This is Ellen now speaking. Um, what do you think? Do you think this one could have had a dual POV? It would have been a long ass book, but do you think it? Well, it would have been a long ass time without his POV because we don't even meet him yeah, really until like halfway through the book. Yeah. So it would have been hard to do, but um... because I did want to see like his journey from. That night at the pub where he's, or at the bar where he's telling her, like, he doesn't believe in marriage marriage and love and things like that, to now he's like, yeah, let's get married and have kids and let's do it. I mean, and I think, because I have a feeling it was over several months, so I don't think it was as insta as we thought. I don't think that this is supposed to take place over several months. Oh, I thought it was like, I mean, October, November, December. She's, I mean, I think that. I mean, think about Megan's pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, well, also, they start talking about this Christmas party, like, at the beginning of the book. So I hope that they're not that excited. I don't know. I was under the feeling, under the impression that it was, like, October, November, December. Like, that that was Okay, that might be, but... So that's three months. Okay, I wouldn't necessarily call that several months, though. Anyway, continue. What word would you use for that? A few months. A few months. That's several. Anyway. Anyway. um, But we just didn't see a lot of interaction between them during all that time. We saw some interaction. Yeah. And we saw there was actually more emphasis on the faking part than there was. Yeah. Well, then, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Because I, I, I just wanted to see, I wanted to understand his journey in that regards. Well, I just thought it was funny because even for a fake relationship, they would go over a week without even seeing each other. And it's like, if you're trying to fake a relationship, it seems like you should be trying a little harder to mm-hmm. see each other a little more. Not that they had to post things about it all the time, but just be out and about where people would see them together. Yeah. I mean, this is not my first fake romance that I've read. That's true. I know how it needs to be done. Yeah. <laughs> There needs to be a lot more instances where they're accidentally bumping into each other. Yeah, or he walks in on her naked yeah. or, you know, there's always She actually, those. like, touches his dick. I mean, yeah. it happens. Have you seen the proposal? <laughs> Seriously. Um, Bethany continues. <laughs> <laughs> Your segues are just getting better and better. <laughs> well, there's no way to get out of that. <laughs> For real, Bethany continues. For serious. <laughs> we got his backstory, yes, and he was swoony. I'm specifically thinking of that confrontation between him, Dan, and Michael where he turns to Lori and invites her to speak for herself. Amen. But I still never felt like I knew him. I don't know. Maybe I needed more little lunch coffee dates with him where it was more of the two of them enjoying the company of each other for the sake of the pleasure it brought them. I mean, that's where love tends to begin to grow, isn't it? The small things. I still really liked it. Three out of five stars for me. Four is I loved it. Five is this book holds a part of my soul. (laughs) 
I like that ranking system. Uh, The beginning was a bit of a downer. I was listening to it while cross-stitching in bed next to my husband. He looked at me and said, this does not sound like your usual book. How is there going to be any good sex in this one? (laughs) Ha ha. I will say, though, the author otherwise is a fantastic writer. She brought me along on all of Lori's ups and downs, but her work might be too much of an emotional journey for me to weather for a while. Um, Yeah, I concur with that. Well, I just, getting through the first half of the book, I was like, wow, this is really, I'm depressed. This is depressing. <laughs> there needs to start being some good, Wait, fake, I need some good hotness. <laughs> fake romance tropes going on. <laughs> Toot sweet. Um, Allison says, for starters, I have a hard time when one of the main characters shares my husband's name, Dan, and is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else have that same issue? Like, my husband could do no good while I read this. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you, like, have a dream that they did something. This has happened to me so many times that and I'll wake, wake up and up. I'll just be pissed off at my husband. I had a dream that you, like, I don't know, did whatever. Went and bought a boat. Again. <laughs> Again. Another boat. And I'll just wake up pissed at him. <laughs> I was like, that's not really fair. He didn't really do it, but... So the emotion's still there. Poor Allison's Dan is just walking around not understanding what he did wrong. Um, Allison continues. Anyways, I really loved this book. I read it earlier this year and trying to remember everything is hard, but the scene that stuck out most was the party at Jamie's parents' house. They were sweet together. He was honest with her and they grew a bond. Also loved when Jamie was upset about her kissing someone else and that's how they ended up getting together. Didn't like the conflict, but it had a nice way to wrap up things for the holiday. We'll definitely read again. So there's that. Leslie says, I really liked this one. I agree with Natalie that the feminist observations were fantastic. In case you missed it, the acknowledgement section, the author said that Emily's what would your twin brother do test was inspired by a conversation with Sally Thorne. Ah. Which, who we love. The ending was unexpectedly bonkers. I 100% thought that Dan would have leaked the email despite his earlier apology, but instead we got that wacky twist of even Michael being co-villains. Also, I didn't love that Lori proposed, which kind of seemed like it was done just to bring back that joke she made to Emily earlier in the book. But I did like Lori and Jamie's decision to play by their own relationship rules. Yeah, I thought their like plans for their wedding were cute. I also would think it would have been okay just without the proposal at the end. Yeah. If it just ended up with her going to have Christmas with Or, like I said, proposal, but because they want to do something, you know. Right, for her dad. But for his dad. Or even put it in a... Yeah, not for her dad. <laughs> her dad um, could go or, up a creek. <laughs> or put it in an epilogue or something so it could be, you know, yeah, later. a little far removed. Yeah. Um, Jennifer says, this is a reread for me and I still love it mainly because I love Lori as a character and her journey of self-discovery and recognition of self-worth. And as others said above, the feminist themes in it. I also love how Lori realizes along the way how she's been uh, prejudging Jamie. I didn't mind the long beginning about her relationship with Dan because I felt it was necessary to understanding where she started and how far she's come by the end. I think the question of McFarlane as a white woman writing from the POV, even third person of a biracial woman, is worth discussing, as others also noted in their comments. Also, I highly, highly recommend McFarlane's latest Just Last Night, also probably more a women's fic, but don't read anything about the plot beforehand. Just read it, except it does dis- discuss recent grief slash loss. So there's your there's your recommendation. Don't warnings. read the back. That's mom's I, general. I never read the back of anything. Yeah, I just jump in, baby. 
Uh, Vittoria says, this book made me so sad for the most part of it. I really had to push myself to get through a good 70% of it. Yeah, it is quite a bit, b- big chunk of it. I liked Laurie as a character, but I think that the breakup and cheating took so much out of me that everything else was a bit of a blur. One thing I have noticed is that often in romance novels, the characters are rarely older than 30 years old. Um, she says, warning, oversharing ahead. So at the start, I was happy to see someone mid thirties like me in a long-term committed relationship like me since university, like me, no carriage, but no marriage, but thinking about having a child again, like me. So we weren't going with this. And then it all crushed in the worst, (laughs) in the worst of ways for F's sake, Dan. I think that made it difficult for me to really believe that she'd be getting over it and falling for someone else so quickly. Also because she and Jamie didn't really spend that much time together until the visit to his parents. At which point I was like, wait, they had a drink and a couple of stage photos and that's it? They're in love? The ending didn't feel realistic in my opinion. I think it would have worked better as a a story about her finding herself after such a tough experience, but I didn't really buy the romance part. Needless to say, my boyfriend had a great time listening to my rants and he's still confused about my questions (laughs) on his Spotify playlists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If men are reading this book, they're like automatically privatizing their <laughs> their Spotify list. Yeah. Um and I can see I can understand where Victoria like I said, I also think that there should have been more romance build up if it was gonna be in there at all, you know, which it is. So Brittany says, I don't think I could have loved this one anymore. I thought the main character was very very dimensional. Uh, how lovable was our witty Lori? The dialogue was so swoony and uncheesy, and I loved the stealth discovery that Lori went through. Also, I genuinely laughed out loud a few times, um, i.e., you made marriage sound like Russian prison without sex. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> that was good. There were a couple lines. Yeah, there, there are. Um, I needed a palate cleanser romance, and this delivered. Great pick. Um, Raquel says, I really, really liked this book. I was... Almost positive it was going to be a love until they got to the conflict. Then I liked the resolution, the conversation in the train station, right until she proposed. Way too rushed, in my opinion. I might be nitpicking. Either way, I still think it was a near-perfect book full of great pearls of wisdom, and I would very much uh, read another book from this author. I liked how all the relationships and characters were fleshed out, her friend Emily, her parents, the quirky co-worker, etc. This book is 80% about healing and 20% about falling in love. And I would agree with that. Can we just talk about the disgusting, toxic work environment they had at that law oh, firm? Geez. geez, not just the terrible co-workers that Michael, what a despicable excuse of a human being, but the bosses that let everything fly by. I honestly would have quit if I were the heroine. Yeah, I kind of wanted her to. Or the secretary, the one guy's secretary who was just like up Carrie, in everyone's business. Yeah. She was awful. It's like, F off, Carrie. She's Louise. And she pretty much said that. So yeah, it was awesome. It was. And everyone was like, amen. Yeah. <laughs> Get lost. Um, Sarah says, I read this book while I was going through a similar breakup and it really resonated with me. I'm sorry to hear that, Sarah. All the questions and if I am not good enough or challenging enough, I really liked the slow burn romance and it was the first time I enjoyed fake dating romance since I read exclusively Enemies to Lovers book. Since I read exclusively Enemies to Lovers book. I mean, that if you're going to pick one trope to read, that's probably the best one to pick because... They are abundant. Um, (laughs) I loved the one bed trope as well. And Jamie's family scenes were just so heartwarming. The only downside to this book was the childhood trauma of Lori. I felt as if it was too much for a fun romance. Definitely liked 
the mom and her reaction when she finally told her, though. The sexism in the office was real, and I wish Lori had could have spoken sharply to these men. Also, the ending was kind of rushed, and the marriage proposal left me wondering if Jamie actually changed his mind about marriage and how Lori's bosses will react. I really wish the author explained more in an epilogue. I enjoyed the book, but I'm not sure if I want to pick up another book by the author. Um, yeah, my I wish the proposal had been in an epilogue, so it was, you know, a little further away from there. Yeah. Big yeah, fight. The, the other thing, while I thought that the childhood trauma was handled well, it was kind of very quickly... Yeah. But I think it was kind of used as a catalyst to help her repair her relationship with her mother. And... Rather than, like, actually... her one with her father. Yeah, and rather than actually, like, being handled in the way that I think it necessarily needed to. Like you said, like, she probably needed to see a therapist or things like that. Uh, different Sarah says, I loved this book. I love Lori's journey. There were times when I thought there was too much emphasis on Dan, but then I realized I would be livid and dwelling if I were in her shoes. The scene where Lori, uh, comforted Jamie while he was crying broke me. Yeah. I liked that Lori was the one who didn't necessarily recognize her feelings, but Jamie was. I feel the roles are usually flip-flopped where the man doesn't recognize his feelings, especially like the man that is a commitment foe womanizer. Um, okay. Finally, we have Miriam, who gives us quite the rundown on Vyra McFarland's books, which it's kind of long, but I feel like people will be interested. So I'm going to read it all. You're welcome. Do it. I didn't get a chance to reread, though I may have read many times and talked about it on my first free-for-all. She did. It was on our first free-for-all from Miriam. So thank you for that, Miriam. Uh, I think my thoughts are well covered in the comments by others who loved it. I just wanted to add some recommendations for people who mentioned they would look out for other books by Vary McFarlane. The first one I read was Don't You Forget About Me, which despite the overt Wuthering Heights references, has more of a persuasion vibe. It involved the heroine meeting her secondary school boyfriend 10 years later, but he doesn't seem to recognize her. I loved it so much that I bought and read all of her back catalog in quick succession. Well, except for You Had Me at Hello, Hello, where from the cover description, I knew the hero was married at the beginning of the book, and that put me off. But eventually, I read that, too, and loved it, as well as its follow-up novella, which is kind of an extended epilogue. Vari has a way of making a taking a concept you're unsure of or you think you've heard too many times before and making it work. I think her stories are also very grounded, even when the concepts are out there. People have real jobs, real reactions, and problems. I know not everyone has the same opinion, but I think she balances the heavy and light very well. If you read the back cover of Last Night, you think it sounds like some friends-to-lovers situation where you'll be calling the two protagonists idiots for not ever communicating, but it's nothing like that at all. It's so hard to explain without spoiling. I even feel like it's spoiling to say that the first line is, you were alive again last night, but there you go. Similar to If I Never Met You, there is a lot of setup before the romance romance element kicks in, and I'd been reading a lot of pure romance and had got used to diving straight into the romance, but the setup is all worth it. As the rereads of If I Never Met You, I might skip past some of that next time, but it was important for the first read. Here's Looking at You has strong Pride Prejudice vibes without being tied down by the restrictions of being a retelling. Who's that girl... Um, who's that girl kind of takes the other woman character from If I Never Met You, except she and the spineless guy have only had a flirty relationship until he kisses her on his wedding day and she is ostracized and runs back to her hometown. The love interest in this one is starring 
in a Game of Thrones type series. And like in If I Never Met You, he's a younger guy and I wish there was more of that. The only one I wouldn't recommend is It's Not You, It's Me. I just didn't get any enjoyment from it. Maybe I need to give it another chance, but the moment I would say if you want to try another of hers, please don't choose this one. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good hit rate anyway. Just a few days ago, she announced her next book, Mad About You, which is coming out next April, and I can't wait. Um, so yeah, so there you go. So if you are one of those people who... The one about the guy who's in the Game of Thrones show, is that the one they made a movie of? Mm, no. What are you talking about? Didn't they make a, they made a movie uh, that had um, people in it, but I can't remember. But he was in a most movies have people. <laughs> in them. Unless I just saw previews for it. I haven't seen Earth the movie, obviously. Um, anyway, this is bad podcasting. But <laughs> you trying to think of a movie yeah. with people in it? <laughs> yeah, you're right. That is bad podcasting. <laughs> That is very sexy. <laughs> By the way, I am 60 years old now. Oh, yeah. Mom had her birthday since last we spoke. So now I just get to be a dithering idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's changed a lot from 59. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> now I have I'm an age to back it up, 60. Ellen. <laughs> I'm 60. Uh, okay, Mom, any final thoughts on this book? Um, no, I liked it probably more than you did, but, um, yeah, that's usually the case. I really liked it. I think I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. I'm sticking to my guns. Okay. I loved it. There you go. You had, I was going to say you had loved it. I did love it. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm really liked, I think I'm with, uh, Bethany as like five star as you own part of my soul. And so I'm, did that's I give it five stars. I might've given it five stars. I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I had a few little quibbles, but nothing. Yeah. Um, so those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on If I Never Met You by Varya McFarlane. We would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is Not Your Mom's Facebook group, our Goodreads group, our Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Not Your Mom's Rom, or you can email us at Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club at gmail.com. So if you want to, to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On September 20th, we will be chatting about The Spanish Love Deception by Elena Armas with listener Paige joining us on the show. So remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show, and we just love to read them. All right. Bye, Mom. Bye, Ellen. Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.